Hey girl, welcome to Christian Girls Pop. My name is Stephanie Bright and I'm the founder of this girls group as well as your host for the podcast. Around here, we are all about purpose, obedience, and prayer. That's what makes us pop. You're guaranteed to laugh, cry, learn, grow, and most importantly, become more like Jesus. We're going to rock this thing out, and we're going to have fun doing it. You ready? Let's go. Hey, girl. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Girls Pop. We are on week four of the topic of grace for the month of June, and I'm so excited for you to join me for this episode. If you've been following us along this month, you've heard us talk about what grace is, why we need it, and we talked about the gift of grace. This week, as you can tell by the title, we're asking, was there always grace? Was there always grace? This one will be a little bit more in depth of a biblical discussion, and I will try my absolute best to make it bite size for you to chew it, ingest it, and digest it so that it's not just this overwhelming concept, but that you can understand it in your own life. So before we get into this, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for another opportunity for us to learn who you are. God, I pray that you show us through your word what we need to know, what we need to learn so that we can continue to grow into who you've called us to be. We thank you so much. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So was there always grace? This week is really talking about the timeline of grace. In order to know this, we have to backtrack to the Old Testament. So in the Bible, there's two Testaments. There's Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament is everything that was before Christ coming to the earth. New Testament on is everything from Christ coming to the earth until Revelation, which has things that have still yet to happen. So in the Old Testament, this is under the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law, but before Jesus came, they lived under a law. They lived under essentially rules that they had to follow. And one big word that was very popular during their time was the word atonement. You may have heard it. It's a very, I like to, you know, when words are kind of churchy, I like to call them there. That's one of those churchy words, atonement. Reparation for wrong or injury or reparation for sin. That is the definition of atonement. And before Jesus came to sacrifice himself, this is what they had to do in order to have reparation for their sins or to have forgiveness for their sin. They would have to sacrifice an animal to pay for every single one of their sins. That's crazy, right? Like in a way it would make you very mindful of your sin because you're like, oh, I got to go kill another cow now. Oh my gosh. But they had to sacrifice an animal for every single time. And you will see examples of the instructions that they had all through the Old Testament. Let's take a look at Exodus chapter 29, verse 10 through 14. Exodus chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. Starting in verse 10, it says, Then you shall bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and shall take part of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and the rest of the blood you shall pour out at the base of the altar. And you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and its skin and its dung you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. 
if you were to continue on down 15 through 18, talk some more about just more examples of what to do. Um, starting in verse 15, it says, Then you shall take one of the rams, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you shall kill the ram, and shall take its blood, and throw it against the sides of the altars. Then you shall cut the ram into pieces, and wash its entrails and its legs, and put them with its pieces and its head, and burn the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. It is a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. And it goes on and on and on and on and on, giving examples of what these sacrifices would look like. And that's just one chapter. All of the book of Numbers, in several different occasions, talks about sin offerings and how to do them. And you can see that the instructions are very specific. They're very direct. You can't go around it. You can't do things a certain way. You can't do things any old way. There is a specific way to do them. And this is how they had atonement for their sins. There also was the tabernacle. And we won't go super in-depth with it, but the tabernacle is where the presence of the Lord was housed within the Ark of the Covenant. Now we have the presence of the Lord with us at all times. They did not. And they had the Ark of the Covenant, which was, um, think of it as like a big, nice treasure chest that God's presence would be in. And so the Ark of the Covenant would be in this most holy space in the tabernacle. It was called Holiest of Holies. And they would have priests that would go once a year to atone for all the sins. They were doing their own sacrifices. They were, you know, following these rules, following these laws. But the priests would go once a year or so and atone for the sins of everyone. And they would go into the holies of holies. And that is where the presence of the Lord would meet them there. There was so much that was involved in this. And it was ritualistic, not in the sense that it was like they did it just because, but it was ritualistic in the sense that there was a specific order that they had to follow. There was specific things that had to take place each time. And so they had to do this for both intentional and unintentional sins. And you can read about that as well. For the sins basically that they knew that they were doing, then they would just um, give sacrifices for sins that they didn't even know that they took part in. And this was all a part of atonement. So now notice what was used for atonement. It was blood that had to be shed. If you if you see, all I read was eight verses, but they were very gory, very gruesome, very bloody, very graphic. There was a lot that was invested. It wasn't just that God wanted them to pick flowers and put them down in the shape of a heart and just dance in the middle. They were slaughtering animals. They were cutting out organs. They were laying things in the altar. They were washing things. They were putting blood in certain places. There was so much that was involved with this. And now imagine putting yourself in that situation. If you are killing an animal for your sin it makes you so aware of your sinfulness and we thankfully don't have to do that now because of what Jesus did and we're going to get to that in a second but just think about the fact that every single time you sinned you had to go find an animal and not just any animal it had to be one of the top of the top the spotless ones the ones that were not tainted and not bruised and not battered you wanted the top of the top to bring as a sacrifice for every single time there was a sin committed and to go through those steps every single time it would just make you so aware of your sinfulness so aware of the sin that you had committed and would hopefully cause you to change it would hopefully get you to a place where you would not commit that same sin because you knew no I remember what I had to do in order for that sin to be atoned for and I don't want to go through that again you understood the impact of that sacrifice so now moving forward Jesus came and he became the ultimate sacrifice 
As you know, we don't have to slaughter bulls and rams and goats anymore to atone for our sins. Jesus came and when he was crucified and resurrected, he became the ultimate sacrifice. When he paid the price for our sins, he became the ultimate sacrifice in our lives. So we don't have to do that anymore because of the blood that was shed on the cross. So notice there was still there was still blood that had to be shed. It just wasn't from a four-legged animal, but it was from Jesus. And even you can even see how cool the scripture is because you had to bring a spotless animal in the Old Testament to atone for sin. In the New Testament, when Jesus came, he is the Lamb of God and he was sinless. So therefore, he was still a spotless sacrifice. He was still a spotless lamb that was used as a sacrifice to the Lord. We don't have to go through those ritualistic ceremonies of atonement because of the blood that was shed on the cross. And his crucifixion and resurrection led us into the dispensation of grace. And so with him being the ultimate sacrifice, we have grace. We no longer have to do those things from the past. Dispensations, you can look these up on Google, but there's basically the Bible is split up into different dispensations. It's a timeline to show you different parts of history in the Bible and know what to look for, where and what was here, what was there. So what we were just speaking of, there was the law and now we're under grace. So we are currently under the dispensation of grace, which was enabled by Jesus's crucifixion. And we are still currently under that dispensation. And by grace, which is what we've talked about the past couple of weeks, through grace, we have salvation. Through grace, we have redemption. Through grace, we have the opportunity to commune with Christ and to abide with him. And none of that would have been possible without Jesus's grace. None of that would have been possible without Jesus's sacrifice that enabled us to be in this dispensation of grace. So we don't have to have this big ceremony of atonement. But now what does it look like in our lives when we need grace? We simply ask for forgiveness. We pray, ask the Lord to forgive us from our sins. We repent, which means that we are turning from our sin, doing whatever we need to do to turn from our sin and living a life for Christ now. As we turn from our sin, that means that we are separating ourselves from things that may cause us to stumble, from things that may get us to a place where we want to choose sin, things or people that will bring us into sinful situations. We turn from those things so that we can live a life that pleases Christ. Remember, grace is a gift. We're not taking this gift for granted. And we have to remember what was what used to be. We have to remember that there used to be so much of a gory sacrifice that had to be made. And now there was one big gory sacrifice that was made. That was Jesus' crucifixion. And now we have grace. So as we're asking for forgiveness and receiving grace, let us never forget the sacrifice that Jesus made. Let us never forget what he went through to pay for our sins, to die for our sins, so that we could have life and that more abundantly. It's through Jesus' crucifixion that we have life, that we have grace, that we have communion and relationship with God. So no, we're not thinking about physically slaughtering an animal, but we should take time to remember what Jesus has already done in our lives and the sacrifice that has already been made. So how to make it pop? How do we make this fit into purpose, obedience, and prayer? For the purpose, we've talked about this a couple times, but our purpose here while we're here on earth is to glorify God. And now that we understand grace and we really understand the sacrifice that's made, it encourages you to walk in your purpose. It encourages you to thrive and live a life for Christ because you realize what he's done. 
Sometimes we just know, yes, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but sometimes we really have to stop and think of what he's done and remind ourselves that he did all of that for us to be able to live and have purpose to glorify him and to live a life for him. So that should cause us even more to want to walk in our purpose. As far as the O for obedience, we obey because of grace. We obey because we have the opportunity to make things right. And when we have the opportunity and when we see what Christ has done, we want to obey him. We want to live a life for him because we are so thankful and so grateful for the grace that he has given us. Last but not least, the P for prayer. We pray for forgiveness when we need it. We pray for grace and that is when grace is given to us. We have the opportunity to run to the throne. We have the opportunity to pray for forgiveness. And so when we need it, let's pray for it. Let's repent. Let's turn from our sin and continue to live a life for Christ. Grace is what keeps you. Grace is what allows you to continue to have relationship with Christ. I need grace. You need grace. Actually, I prayed for grace this morning. I messed up just this morning and I needed grace. I needed forgiveness. So no one is beside it. No one is so far gone or so holy that they can't receive grace or don't need grace. We are all in need of grace. We are all in need of a savior daily. The grace is there for us. All we have to do is receive it, believe it, and live like we have received grace. All right, let's wrap this thing up with our Q&A that we have started. Okay, so the first question is from Daisy. Hey, Daisy. She asks, I was wondering if reading the Bible and writing in my girl's guidebook counts as spending time with God. Absolutely. The Bible is God's word. The Bible is how we get to know more about God. And as we read his word, because the word is alive, the word is still alive today and it can speak to you and can transform your life as you read the word of God you'll begin to learn more about who he is and in turn want to continue to just fall in love with him and get to know him more and have that relationship with him you're reading his word you're reading what he's laid out for you so absolutely I always recommend reading your bible as spending time with God other things that you can do are journal you can pray you can um, begin to hear God's voice and write down as he speaks to you as well. All these things are different ways to spend time with God. You can also include worship music into your quiet time, your Jesus time. Um, turn on some worship music. Take time to worship to God. He wants to hear from you and that can look different for everyone. That look that looks different across the board. But find what works for you and God and rock out with that. Okay, last question for the episode. Brianna reached out and she said, I feel like I'm failing God and I feel like I'm not doing enough for God after I'm saved. That's pretty common to feel that feeling. Sometimes that's the enemy just wanting to put lies in your head and get you to think that God doesn't want anything to do with you because of your flaws or your mistakes or sins that you've committed. But that's not true. If that wasn't true, then Jesus would never have died for us if he didn't care for us. He died knowing that we would sin. Now, this does not give us a right to just go around sinning all the time, but God knew that we would have sin, and so he has provided that aspect of grace for us for that exact reason, so that when we sin, that we have grace. So if you feel like you're not doing enough, you feel like you failed God, pray for forgiveness. It's there for you. God wants to be in communion and relationship with you. He loves you so much, and he's there for you. So you can just come to him, Come before the throne. Let him know that how you're feeling. Be honest. Be real. Be open. Be transparent with him and allow him to just be in that time with you. I pray that he overwhelms you with peace and love and that you feel that 
you are comforted by the Father. We all are so unholy compared to him. So there is an aspect of just knowing that, wow, like even in even on my best day, I am still so unholy compared to God. There is that element, but don't let it get to the point where you just talk yourself out of having relationship with him or go to the opposite extreme where you feel like you have to do all these things in order for him to love you anymore or anything like that. That's not the case and it never will be. That's why I say at the end of every episode, Jesus already loves you so much. That means that right now in your current condition, no matter what you've done, no matter what you have yet to do, no matter all the things involved, no matter what, Jesus already in this moment loves you. So you have not felt God too much to the point where he's given up on you. He loves you. His mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 reminds us of that. His mercies are new every morning. His mercy is new for you every morning. It's renewed. It's restored just for you. So trust that. Go with that. Continue to just seek Jesus every day. Continue to spend time with him and allow him to really just love on you and get to know him more. And you will realize that this is the best life that you could ever live. So keep living for Jesus. Thank y'all so much for joining me for this week's episode. If you have questions that you would like answered on the podcast, please email me at christiangirlspop at gmail.com or you can DM me on Facebook and Instagram on the Christian Girls Pop pages and I will try to get your question answered either via email or on the podcast. If you haven't already, you can join us on Facebook and Instagram at Christian Girls Pop. You can find us on Twitter at underscore CGPOP. And if you would like to donate to this ministry, you can donate via PayPal using the email address cgpopdonate at gmail.com cgpopdonate at gmail.com thanks so much for tuning in and as always remember jesus already loves you so much don't you ever forget that